have felt uh, impressed to talk to you about some of these things tonight and uh, challenge you that uh, revival is actually within you. And um, very important you get that, uh, that grass. I'll just kind of say a little bit about uh, Reverend Asbury. Um, he would drive, he would, you know, horseback eight to ten different sites a day, preaching relentlessly, tirelessly the gospel. And my point is tonight that you understand that we should appreciate and praise God for every manifestation of God's presence. Yes. Doesn't matter where it's happening, what part of the world it's happening, uh, who it seems to be happening in or through, there is one body, one Lord, one baptism. There is one church. And uh, I don't understand, you know, with every kind of move of God comes the critic. You know, you have people that then in the Reformed tradition, they say, well, people shouldn't care about stuff like that. It's all about the Word. I think you all know how I feel about the Word. Oh, yeah. So that means first place. And final authority. And final authority. But you're to be spirit people as well as word people. Yes. And, uh, and in fact, Jackie, the, the figure that the administration is releasing, 50,000 people came onto their property in nine days. 50,000. And uh, what's exciting about it is they're, they weren't there looking for some kind of gimmick or trick or to be entertained or appeased. They were, they were hungry for the presence of God. And um, one person walked in there and was demonized and kids had never laid hands before on somebody or dealt with demonic you know, deliverance. Um, with a huge, just ungodly shriek, the devil came out of this woman and she was set free. Well, they may not talk a lot about, but happened also. Larry Mead in the first Asbury revival, our missionary to India, uh, Pastor Hopkinsville, before I got to Hopkinsville, uh, he was actually baptized in the Holy Ghost in the prior outpouring in Asbury. What they're not talking about is all the people who were baptized in the Holy Ghost because it's not all that religiously correct. But the truth is these kids will never be the same. Amen. And they really are spreading out all over the country and all over the, the world. But that's actually what I want to just encourage you about today. Is, uh, you know, God does these things, there's signs and there's wonders, but He actually uh, gathers us to fill us up to send us right back out again. Amen. Say it with me, revival, revival. Is, in me. is in me. The truth is, you can have Asbury any day you want. That's right. That's right. I'm going to try that again because I don't know if it's indigestion from your dinner or <laughs> a little bit of religion trying to creep up. But let me say that again. You can have Asbury any day you want. Amen. In fact, you're going to hear the Holy Ghost say this a lot throughout the land and the world, that we've got to change our mental model as to what actually revival is Amen. and where it comes from. Uh, what I mean by that, I mean basically that uh, we focus an awful lot on location and God's sovereignty, and we've yet to fully understand that it's just a matter of the execution of our faith of what He has already put on the inside of us. I'll put it this way, one day we're going to wake up and realize that revival is not a place. It's in us. And it's been in us all along. From the time of our new birth, is certainly the time of our baptism in the Holy Ghost. And we see in the early church this model that uh, they didn't gather for gathering's sake, they gathered for going's sake. Come on, say, I gather so that I can go. I'm going to say it again. One day we're going to wake up and realize that revival is not in a place. It's within us. Turn to somebody and tell them, you are the carrier of revival. You are the carrier 
of the anointing. And I just, I just hear the Holy Ghost. Y'all okay tonight with us talking about this? Yes. Um, I just hear the Holy Ghost saying, if you think COVID spread fast, wait until you see how God's move spreads. Amen. Except it won't kill, steal, and destroy. It'll bring life. And life more abundantly to the corners of, of the world. Hallelujah. We serve a great God. Just a couple of scriptures for you. Uh, Psalm 85, 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? You see the cry of the heart of the, the psalmist. In Psalm 22, 3, But thou art holy, O thou, that inhabits the praises of Israel. Wherever you find people praising, worshiping, honoring God from the heart, you're going to find God manifest in his presence. <laughs> and Jackie pointed out, I mean, imagine that. No lights, no smoke, no sound machines, no nothing really, just people worshiping God. Yeah, that ought to be encouraging to us. Amen. And encouraging, I think, to church leaders all over the world that whatever they've been sold, the bill of goods about Madison Avenue techniques and what they have to have, what really people need, of course, is God himself. That's right. Amen. Amen. In uh, Psalm 57, 15, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. Listen to that. I'm the most high God. <laughs> I, do, I dwell in the highest place. We don't need to have high places in this world. They should all be torn down. Amen. Because he is the one that dwells and abides in the high place. But he also says, I dwell with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. What does that tell you? He didn't exist somewhere in the now, you know, in the Netherlands out there. Just we know he is mighty and big and huge. And we know that he has a throne and we know that he's all knowing, all powerful, everywhere present. But look what he says. He's choosing to actually be with those that are ever broken in a contrite spirit. We've known this. I've preached on, for example, the book of James at least a dozen times since I've been a senior pastor. At least. That means I've taught at least on James 4.8, at least formally a dozen times. And some of you have taken those same materials and you've taught them as well in this church and principles. And it says, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. The simplicity is something that we just kind of, you know, ignored or forgot about. But it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Sounds real simple, doesn't it? Say that with me. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Now, we're not talking about theoretically, homiletically, philosophically, hermeneutically here. We're talking about practical manifestation of his presence where his joy is evident, his, his peace is present, you know, his power is there in your life. It's not, yeah, we know he's there because Scripture says, and it's important for you to understand, Scripture does say this, where two or three are gathered together in his name, guess what? He is there, but how do you know there's a difference between the fulfillment and the authority of that Scripture and the manifest presence of God, where it's tangible and operating and working? Uh, you know, people in churches that value that are going to see more and more of that. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But I just want to just point this out to you. Uh, 
You, you can have that in a corporate setting, but you can have that in an individual setting because of what the scripture actually tells us. Anyone who'll draw nigh to him. Think about the promise of that. Anyone that will draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to. Glory to God. Psalm 80, verse 18 and 19. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God Almighty, else should I. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. There's a little thing that uh, you've heard us do a time or two at the end of the service called the blessing. Um, it comes from Numbers chapter 6. This is a great one to mark in your Bible and just even write it out in the flyleaf of your Bible. The number 624, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you what? Peace. Give you peace. Um, a archaeologist, I believe he was from the UK, his name is Barclay, not our Barclay, a different Barclay. <laughs> um, they found that a, a grave had been robbed in um, around, it was, you know, the person was buried around BC 600, 1979, they found the grave and it was, it was filled with gold, silver and all kinds of trinkets, a lot of that stuff was gone. But one of the things that remained was this rope around the neck of the person of the remains and there were two amulets on each side of that rope connected to the rope. What it was, it was rolled up silver. And so what they did is they carefully unrolled that silver and unscribed on both of those was the blessing. Yeah. Say it with me, 600 BC. 600 BC. To put that where they put that shows you they expected to walk in the very thing that was inscribed on that silver. And you should too. Amen. Remind yourself tonight of what that actually means. The dimensions of this heavenly or priestly blessing are important because it came from God. God gave it to Moses. Moses gave it to Aaron. Aaron, you know, pronounced it over the people. I believe when Jesus ascended on high, the last thing he did was issue the blessing to his people. Why do I believe it? Because Jesus is a high priest. <laughs> Amen. Say with me, he's the high. He is most high. <laughs> Uh, I believe that's the last thing they ever heard. Why would I say something like that? Because the first thing that Adam ever heard was the blessing. The last thing they heard when he went up. And I believe one of the things, if not the first thing we hear when we go up, is the blessing as well. Except then the blessing will be fully manifested in one. Wouldn't that be an enormously great day? <laughs> Praise the Lord. But the first thing, or first dimension of this is empower you, and it means to prosper, to succeed, to bear much fruit, to increase, to have longevity. The Lord bless you means the Lord empower you. Say that with me, to empower me. To empower you to what? Ultimately to succeed, to bear much fruit, to have longevity, to increase, to excel, to go to the highest place. Aren't you glad that every time you walk out of this building, you're being blessed to go out of here and succeed? Not go out of here and fail, fall in your face. Why? You don't have to because you have God with you. Amen. The second part of that, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. That phrase keep you refers to him preserving and protecting you. Uh, further study that you'll find out it means to guard you and literally to take care of you. Thank you're not walking out on this planet by yourself. Thank you, Lord. I said you're not by yourself. You have no idea how many times the devil would have loved to have, to have bested you and the Lord intervened in some way. 
He's been protecting you and preserving you. And that's why I'm telling you, don't you just receive it in church. You go home and declare that over yourself all the time. So I can't do that. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not an apostle. I'm not a priest. There you're making the mistake. You are a priest. We are a kingdom of priests. Yes. You have every right to declare that over your life, as much right as Aaron was commissioned and charged to declare it over the people of God. And when you do, you stir your faith up to know that not only are you empowered to succeed, you are also being preserved and protected. Why would he do that? Because you have something to do on this earth. He needs you to live out your days. Amen. Say it with me. Live out long and strong and do the things you're called to do. In this blessing, in the third part, the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Literally means God's manifest presence be unto you. Not the generic truth that even the Hebrews of old believed that God was with us. He goes before us, behind us, above us. He goes with us. He is with us. We know that Scripture tells us, He prophesies of a, you know, the incarnation where God is with us, Emmanuel. We're talking about the manifest presence. We're saying, go out of here and succeed. We're saying, go out of here and know He's preserving and protecting you. And go out of here knowing that you can have the manifest presence of God with you as you go. Amen. It was never designed to come in and get His presence and then walk a few days without it. Come in and get His presence and go a month without it. It's ideal that you understand tonight that you're supposed to have him going with you all the time. And if you'll draw near to him when you leave here, he'll draw near to you when you leave here. Say the manifest presence of God. It goes back to the concept of the glory of God. God the glory of God is God's manifest presence, power, and his goodness. Say it, his presence, his power, and his goodness. I'm y'all, from what you've heard, believe that that's what was going on in Asbury. But that's what should be going on in us and through us on a daily basis, not just on special occasions or special seemingly unique outpourings, but to remind us. These things come us not to say, hey, this is it. This is the goal. That's not the goal. That's the illustration. That's a reminder of what we're actually supposed to be as the people of God. So we should expect and see the manifestation of God's presence and power and goodness. But I know there's nothing greater than his presence. Why do those kids have so much joy? How do you, why do they have so much peace? Why did you have so much joy and peace when you were baptized in the Holy Ghost? Amen. Some of us let our joy and peace leak out. That's why the scripture says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. More, not less. But you are able to stir your faith up when someone says this, or you say this to yourself and over your own life, you know, his face shine upon you. Glory to God. Say it with me. Empowerment. Preservation, Preservation. His manifest presence. And he says, and be gracious to you. Powerful phrase. I mean, the God is predisposed to show his favor to you, Psalm 145. That scripture literally indicates that he stoops down to lift us up. Imagine that. The Most High God stooping down to lift you up. That's how much he loves you. And this scripture actually means to bestow favor to you. Grand, abundant favor to you and to me. His tender mercies to you. What's striking to me is you don't hear all this rhetoric that somehow represents God as an ogre trying to you know, smite his people and hold them back and hurt them. He didn't tell them to pronounce negatives and destruction on them. 
He told them, this is what you are to say over the people. You're to empower them to prosper. You are to remind them of my preservation and protection. You are supposed to remind them they can have my manifest presence and that God is predisposed to show them favor. And some of you need to hear that tonight because experience is telling you, well, where's all that favor? Where's all that graciousness? I just think you need to believe a little bit more and confess it a little bit more. People who confess the favor of God, shazam, they walk in it. Amen. Amen. Bestow favor upon you and grant you abundant mercies. And he says this, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Indicates not just a manifest presence, but an increase in his presence. And watch this, an approval on you. Glory to God. He's mad at me. He's disappointed in me. God can't stand me. You know, I've made so many mistakes. How could he possibly want anything to do with me? This priestly blessing that was an order of God to Moses, to Aaron, that Jesus modeled for us and the word is preserved for us today. Uh, when I was a kid and this was pronounced over us in our church, you know, I didn't really have any revelation or understanding of that. But now that I do, I want to celebrate it more and more. Amen. This is telling you and me that I can have what? even more of his presence. This, this thing should remind you that he's not mad at you. How can we not be revived right. with a God like that? Amen. Enjoy his presence, but enjoy an increase in his presence like you never have before. Um, he does not direct his face towards the people he's disgusted with. So well, I just don't understand this. You know, uh, I've heard about the hand of God. You preached on the hand of God, the power of God, the right hand of God, and how it works, miracles, whatever. Yeah, here's the deal. You can pursue the hand of God, but it's better for you to pursue the face of God. Because if you get the face of God, you'll always get the hand of God. Amen. Come on, Sid, I'll take the face of God <laughs> and the hand of God. You know, in His presence, there's fullness of joy. The Scripture tells us that He inhabits the praises of his people, you worship him and praise him, he manifests, you're going to be thrilled with his presence. And you have the confidence he'll take care of those things where his hand is needed in your life. His hand is mighty to save. Amen. You know, when God's right hand is, is coming to your life, there's going to be some kind of result in there. Glory to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you Peace, grant you shalom. Write this down and grant you wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Like anything in the Bible, like John 3, 16, you can hear this and it fly right over your head on a Sunday morning. It can fly right over your head tonight when you dismiss with a blessing. Or you can grab a hold of it like you never have before. Amen. And the, the cornerstone of this is what God does when he manifests in the presence, amen, of his people and does something. God is reminding them, I'm not a God that's far away from you. I am near. I am close. I am with you. And that was for the Hebrew. Guess what? He's not just near and close to you. He's in you. And one of the things that happens in revival is the God in you consciousness comes alive. He's not out there. He's here. He's a very present help 
in time of need. And we're crying out and beating on the doors of heaven, trying to get the gates to open. And I, here's a tip for you. They're not locked. <laughs> First of all. <laughs> second of all, you stopped about, you know, 1,500 miles too short. You're welcome in the throne room. Amen. Beating on the gates as if you're some kind of an orphan. No, the reality is you are welcome in the Holy of Holies. You're welcome in the throne room. Um, so I just wanted to encourage you along this line. And just, uh, you know, just challenge you that uh, it's, not, it's not in a denomination. It's not in a location. It's not in a church. It's not in a building. It's in his people. And what revival actually does is it causes the consciousness of God in you to rise up and you begin to discover and you begin to come to yourself that you really realize he is in you and he can do all things. Amen. Amen. He is all powerful. A consciousness awakens on the inside of you to know where he's actually at and what he can do if we'll just stay in step with him and go out there and do it. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. Revival is not out there. It's in me. Um, what I like about, you know, things that happen, whether it's Brownsville or Asbury or what happened in the Toronto Blessing or Azusa Street, for most of us spiritually, that's where these things began. A older prayer warrior in Topeka, Kansas, received the Holy Ghost and the rest is history. I mean, now it just takes one. Yeah. Listen carefully. One woman. Now, there's a sermon there. One woman receives... And we can trace every spirit baptism around the world to 2023 back to 1912. Don't ever underestimate what God can do through you when he touches you. Say, so, I mean, revival is on the inside of me. We just have to come alive to it, become conscious of it. Amen. Be diligent about those things and make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to do to release it and spread it. Amen. I mean, how was how COVID spread? People coughing and hacking and, amen. It didn't take much, did it? Now, some of y'all had it, some of y'all didn't. And right now, of course, uh, you know, science is going to have a, the last word on what actually would and would not spread this thing. But all I know is if COVID can, can spread with a cough or a hack or a sneeze, the glory of God can spread certainly with the praise. Amen. Amen. The thanksgiving, Amen. some gratitude. Amen. Amen. Some prayer time. Yes. The yes. blessing. Glory to God. How many of y'all can get into agreement this is going to spread far beyond what COVID ever did? Amen. Bringing life everywhere it goes. Praise God. So I want you to go back to Acts chapter 3 for a moment. Confess that revival is within me. Whatever by revival is within me. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. How about a good amen there? Amen. 
and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. You see there in that verse, there is no usurpation of the outpouring, the refreshing of the Spirit of God with the Word of God. They're in complete harmony. You see that? The prophetic, the Word, still has to be fulfilled. So there's some restraining of his actual return until that time. But I want you to see this pathway to revival. You should write these down. And it's not complicated. It's straight from the Word, and it's straight from this verse. Number one is repent of sin. I like the, what they, they called it, radical repentance. Um, in His presence, you're not fully aware of everything you need to repent of. But I can tell you this, it's, it's time for all of us, not just you, but all of us, to stop making excuses for the things we held on to. I love one young lady's uh, you know, uh, testimony. She said, you know, she said, everybody I hated on this campus was in that building. And everybody that hated me was in that building. And after a few days of this, we love each other. Amen. Now, I don't want to get in your business because, you know, I go through things just like you do. And you can probably think about people that, you know, you're not in, uh, you're not in their fan club at all. You're not besties. But you can tell when real awakening happens, it's in me is when you just lay all that nonsense down because it doesn't matter in the long run. And any resistance to lay down, any kind of wrath, any embarrassment, any offense, any kind of practice, any kind of behavior, any kind of language, then you're not someone who's responding as if revival were on the inside of you. You're acting like, you know, Sunday go to meeting Christians, saved and on your way to heaven. And I'm telling you that God has in mind for you and me far more than just one day dying and going to heaven. There's a lot of glory to be enjoyed here. There's a lot of people to touch here. And here's the bottom line. I mean, you're, if you, when you can tell when revival is really flowing in you and through you, you are going to have radical repentance going on in your life. I don't need to repent. That's your problem. You're not conscious of the fact yet that you need to repent. And no man can do that for you. I preach on repentance for five hours. Amen. And you'll just get mad at me. Then you'll have something else to repent about. It's not going to come because somebody gave you a new sermon series. It's going to come because in the presence of God, you were awakened. And the first thing you recognized was the condition of your heart. In the case of Isaiah, who wanted to serve God, the Bible says, well, be it very plain, there needs to be something done here in that narrative before I can send you. He got into God's presence, and what did he say? Amen. Oh, God, woe is me. If I what? I'm a man of unclean lips. Watch this. Where does unclean lips come from? A dirty heart. And I dwell among a people of what? So what did the angel do? Took a coal from the altar and touched his lips. Before you and I can do much, there's an issue of what's in our life that doesn't belong there. Attitudes, offenses, practices, allowances, you know, fellowship with things that are dark. I'm alarmed at how many, you know, so-called Christian young people in this country 
have no problem with an open worship service to Satan during the Grammys and the Super Bowl. Have no discernment. Now, this is not about condemning people. But I'm telling you, when somebody's alive on the inside, your spirit will be severely grieved when you're exposed to stuff like yes. that. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Witchcraft and phenomenon and spiritism and anything that would at all smack of Baal worship, which is what we have seen in the past 30 days in this country on a wide scale by the millions. And Christians go, I just don't see what's wrong with that. I don't, I, I don't doubt that because if you were alive where you need to be, you would see that. Now, you don't have to be the corrector of everybody, but you sure shouldn't receive that and applaud for that kind of thing when Satan is on full display. And Christians are going, my, wasn't that nice? That was a great performance. That was the worst thing to ever hit the airways doing a, an athletic event in the history of the Super Bowl. It had nothing to do with their performance. It has to do with who they were glorifying. And it's been going on now for several years. Don't expect it to stop unless you have what? A move of God. When you have, you know, houses full of people that call themselves Christians and they don't have a clue that this stuff is wicked to the nth degree, we've got a lot of work to do. Yep. Amen. Are you here tonight? Mm -hmm. I said, are you here tonight? Yes. Repenting of sin to change your mind and attitude with a corresponding change in behavior. Um, yeah, you're going you're gonna to lose those grudges. <laughs> you're going to walk in love more than you ever have before. Amen. In the light of His glory, all that stuff isn't going to mean anything. Mm -hmm. It's just not. Do you know that there is, there's not a greater pers perspective giver than the presence of God? Amen. And the ability for us to hang on to things like that tells us a lot about where we are and our relationship with Him. It doesn't mean you don't pray. It doesn't mean He doesn't love you. It means that while you're praying, there's some kind of connection that's not being made there. Right. Amen. Yeah. I mean, you can turn that light on all you want to, but if it's not plugged in, it's not coming on. And it's not the light's fault. <laughs> Stupid light. <laughs> Number two, turn to God. This is all intentional. Peter is preaching to a people who are astounded by the miracles, by the salvations, by the move of God. They don't understand, and he's trying to tell them how they can have a move of God in their own life. You know, Peter being used that day should give all of us hope. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, if he can use that guy. <laughs> but isn't that just like God to take the one that was the denier? And use him like that to show you and me that, you know what, God, God can use us if we'll just be available to him. And Peter certainly made himself available that day. And now he just doesn't have common folk in the, in the audience. He's got Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees listening, teachers of the law. And he's saying what? Turn to God. You know what the problem is for them? We've been with God all, these, all this time. Have you? Or have you just been a kind of an ornamental shell of someone who turns to God? No, you repent and you turn to God. Write this down. In dedication, in consecration, and in faithfulness. Like Caleb, you're wholeheartedly committed to him. Amen. The third dimension is the promise he gives. Your sins 
will be wiped out. You know that no one else can wipe your sin out. It means literally to expunge your record, to cancel your sin, to obliterate. One translation actually says to blot out. Say it with me. My sins have been blotted out. You repent, you turn to him, and your sins are blotted out. Does it make sense to you tonight that when you see these things happening like an Asbury, that at the forefront of them you have deep repentance and humility? And then you see the move of God? You see it sustained the same way? The fourth principle here is times of refreshing come. It literally means refreshing, watch this, from the face of God. Modern translations don't really point that out, but it literally speaks of it. He is meaning here, here's what will happen. If you repent of your sin, turn to God, your sins will be blotted out, then you're going to have a refreshing from the face of God. Turn to somebody and say, there's nothing wrong with you. You just need more of the face of God. The manifest presence of God. Times of refreshing and the face of God are synonymous. And refreshing refers also to things like recovery and revival. From what? The face of God. You're not going to get the face of God just because you got some nice lights. Or a certain style of music. Or a certain kind of building. You know, you can go to Europe and you can see these buildings that literally cost millions of dollars just to maintain. They're empty. They're beautiful. There was a time when they used a thing called, quote unquote, architectural evangelism, unquote, to, quote, to, to pull people in. Well, after a amount of time, they saw that, been there, done that, you know, bought the t-shirt. No big deal. Church is a church is a church. Now, obviously, in our church, we don't have architectural evangelism. <laughs> that was not a thought. In fact, when it was first building, somebody said, what y'all put a barn up on your church property for? And I thought, what an insult that is. Thought, no, it's a compliment. Seed barn, hallelujah, amen. And you seed in and send it out, glory to God. Do some planting. And then we bricked it and then it kind of died down after that, amen. <laughs> but you understand that uh, it's, it's not in the architecture. It's not in the kind of building it was. Uh, it's, it's never going to be Notre Dame, you understand that. Or St. Michael's in, in Hamburg, Germany, where you can... <laughs> You can see the depth of, you know, I have to actually protect that place because there's gold inlay all throughout the altar area. I don't even know what it's worth. Like I'm, it's mostly uh, something you can't even calculate. But I understand this today that uh, what happens and the key is the face of God. And the simplicity of Asbury reminds us that worship, praise, repentance, humility, the face of God is what did it all. Turn to somebody and say, it's the face of God. And somebody says, can you explain to me revival in a sense? Tell them it is the manifestation of the face of God Amen. in somebody's life. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Say to me, the face of God. You can always ask him for his hand. He's given you that right and privilege, but it honors him when you're focused, first of all, on his face. Say to me, the face of God. That is the answer to all your problems. Say it with me, revival is in within me. Say it with I can have Asbury every day of my life. 
You know, the things we're missing because we don't press in personally like we can. And the excuses we make for it. Too busy, got too much going on, got to run, got to go, got a list to keep, got people depending on me. Are any of those things more valuable or important than the face of God? No. Revival, uh, you know, in the, in the person's heart, it, it kind of changes their priorities to where they're willing to pay the price and reorder the priorities to enjoy the face of God. Amen. The last thing that he mentions is the expectation of his return, specifically for you and for me. Peter is telling them, you repent of your sins and turn to God. You're going to experience you know, times of refreshing. You're going to experience the fact that you, you did turn to God. You did repent of your sin. You're going to you know, experience times of refreshing. But he's also telling them he's coming back for you. Amen. You that have repented. You that have turned to God. You that have had your sins wiped out. You that have had times of refreshing. You, he's coming back for you. Come on, say he's coming back. He's coming for, back. Me. for me. That is set, of course, by the Father. The preeminence of the prophetic word, you can see this. Yes, there's refreshing, but there's not going to be this return for us until everything is accomplished on God's clock and God's calendar. In the meantime, can we not continue to repent? Mm -hmm. yes. mm -hmm. In the meantime, can we not continue to turn to Him and consecrate yes. and reconsecrate yes. and reconsecrate? Consecrate your eyes and your ears and your mouth and your brain and your body. Amen. Consecrate your relationships and your money and your attitude, everything. Yes, you can do that every single day. You turn to God in consecration. Can you not see anything you might do in the, in the future blotted out as well? Yes. The question is, can you not experience times of refreshing yes. in the interim? And the answer is, of course you can. Yes. It's not complicated. And uh, I don't believe anybody's left out of this. Hallelujah. Whosoever. Whosoever. See, there is salvation, and then there is somebody pressing in for the fullness of God's presence. In this, somewhere you can hear the cry of Moses. Lord, I want to see you. I want to experience you. And if he had experienced the Lord in all of his fullness and all of his glory, he would have been vaporized. He put him in the cleft of the rock and he passed by. But you get the idea here. Um, in, in that glory is, is God's goodness, his fullness of power, his, his dominion, his, his righteousness, his holiness, everything about that. And God has made that available to his people. And once you taste it, amen, you want more of it. My prayer is that God would just give us a hunger to taste for His face like we've never had before. Really, really pressing in. Everything else will take care of itself. Let me just give you, as we move towards the end of this, habits for a perpetual revival. I mentioned them briefly on Sunday. I just want you to make them prayer points for yourself. One, of course, is prayer. Included in that, of course, is a praise life and a life of worship. This is where you'll facilitate the manifested presence of God. You notice it really wasn't about people who are used to playing together or a band worshiping together or nothing like that. 
servants of God just come in together to worship the Lord. Um, that's why you don't have to have a great voice. Aren't you glad for that? Um, I used to joke about Mark Randall, who had the voice like a dozen frogs singing all at the same time. And somehow there's, there's this device before it gets into the ears of God. And it starts out sounding like a frog, and by the time God sounds, you hear it, it sounds like Pavarotti or something. It's just, <laughs> it's be, and, and he, uh, he manifested. Amen. So, people of great praise life are people of his presence. Number two is expectation. What are your expectations in your personal walk with God, and what are your expectations for church? There are a lot of expectations that we have adopted over the years that have nothing to do with God's end time plan. Right. We come in here and think this is the way it should be or this is a good service or my wasn't that a lovely sermon or blah, blah, blah. But what are we really expecting God to do? Say so with great expectations that he would show up. Um, that makes a huge difference. Nobody drove or flew, you know, and then drove because <laughs> you can't fly into Wilmore. Um, you know, with, oh, this is going to be a nice seminar. <laughs> right. It's going to be another, you know, preaching series. Isn't this wonderful? What were they expecting? They're expecting the face of God. And did God disappoint them? What does the American Christian expect in church? You know? Donut. Warm welcome. <laughs> Song service. Offer an exhortation. Aren't you glad that you guys are told the truth about the Bible and money in this church? Aren't you glad what these, these folks do for us every week? Yeah. A sermon, you know, prayer time and praise the Lord. We're going we're gonna to release you with a blessing. Yeah, praise the Lord. That, if that's the expectation, then we need to raise our expectation higher. Amen. We want the face of God. I'm going to say we want the manifest presence of God. Uh, he can operate in, in any of those conventions. But if that's where the expectation is, then our expectation is really not matured or developed. Number three is attitude. We've got to value the manifested presence of God. Yes. We've got to be willing to make the adjustments that are necessary for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if he takes the service over and then we're here at 4 or 5 o'clock, are you going to leave, grumble, or what? Or I guess I want the face of God. Um, our attitude has a lot to do with what he can actually do. I don't normally you know, endorse things that come out of Hollywood, but uh, the Jesus Revolution film is, is shaping up to be a tremendous uh, example of what happens when people lay down their religion and let God move. You've heard of the Jesus freaks and the, uh, the beach Jesus people, and then uh, you know, what God did through Calvary. One of the things you'll notice in the movie right away is when all of the kids started coming in with their hair and their drugs and their problems, the religious people stood up and basically said, we don't want these people here, Pastor. And immediately he had to fight the war and the fear of being tossed out on his ear versus letting these, you know, these kids come in and be what God has called them you know, to be. I, I actually got to go to his church uh, years ago, and on a Friday night, they're still doing the same thing. They'll have a contemporary Christian group in, and they're still targeting themselves towards people that are searching, that are longing, and looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Kelsey Grammer um, does a phenomenal job. Every clip I've seen of this, and he was interviewed on television the other day, 
and they asked him about it, and he broke into tears on live television, <laughs> talking about being changed and transformed by plane, you know, uh, this man's uh, particular, you know, life and ministry. So, but see, what was, what was drawing them? Why would they want to come to, you know, kind of a stale mainline, you know, pasty controlled kind of environment? Because it has nothing to do with it. It's when you get hungry and your attitude is we want to have the face of God and get people in agreement. Every time God does something like this, let's just be very, very blunt with you, transparent. Every time God goes down a path like this in, in a church, in an organization, in a group of people, there are always people who can't stomach it. They can't handle it. They don't want anything to do with the dynamic of the supernatural. It spooks them. It scares them. They ought to be thrilled by it not withdraw from that to embrace it. But it messes up their conventions of what things should be like, how things should be done. We've never been you know, hiding what we think here. We believe you're supposed to be word people and spirit people. I'm just saying that uh, the spiritual part of that, the spirit part of that is, is getting ready to take a greater prominence than he ever has. The word's never going to be diminished. And some people don't want that. They want everything in a nice little box. You know, everything can be controlled. There are leaders like that, but there are a lot of people like that as well. When Ben Priest got saved, uh, he, uh, his outlaw band, uh, you know, gang in, uh, in Louisiana and parts of Texas, they drove into a sleepy little church. And I think the church was seat maybe 80 to 100. They walked in, I think it was 67 bikers and just freaked the leadership out. They didn't know what to do with it. How many know that there'll be a few people in here freak out if the same thing happened here? I'm not talking about Christian bikers. I'm talking about outlaws that were invited to church. Can I tell you what happened? The national president of that organization got saved through their ministry. Several of the Lord officers gotten saved. All from doing what? The same thing that they did out there in California, just by allowing people to come in and make your attitude be set correctly so that God can actually move. Um, ATF targeted that organization. Many of them went to jail. But many of them have been saved. And uh, this same organization actually had their national meetings on the property of Tribe of Judah, international headquarters. And um, one of the things that Brother Copeland did is he, he provided like 2,000 of his study Bibles and they gave them to every one of these outlaw bikers. Who knows what the fruit's going to be from that? And, uh, you know, everybody say attitude. attitude. You mean you let those people, they weren't doing anything illegal or immoral on their property. They were very respectful. They were just to take care of their inside business and kind of fellowship with one another. And they took the opportunity as tribe of Judah to minister to them, to feed them, to support them so that they could hear the gospel. But not everybody was pleased that they were there. In fact, the ATF had dropped listening devices all over the property thinking that they were going to somehow figure out something illegal was going on and then pounce. What the ATF didn't expect is there was a flood on the property and flooded and picked up every device and removed it from the property. They had no ability to hear what was going on. Come on, say it with me, attitude. They weren't there to get arrested or do illegal things. They were ultimately there by, by God's hand and design. He's wanting to do things just like that. Amen. You got to be ready in your attitude. 
Okay, so people that are different than you are beginning, you got, things are going different than you thought. How about just have an attitude to receive what, what God has for you at that moment and in that time? Discipline, number four. Continue what facilitates manifestation. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep praying. Keep expecting. Keep your attitude right. How many of y'all really want to manifest the, the, the power of God and be, amen, an outlet of revival in your heart? Revival is where? It's in you. This is how it comes out. Number five is holiness. Holiness. Manifested presence. Watch this. How many believe in the face of God? We know that when His presence shows up, there's conviction by the Holy Spirit. What you may not realize is that uh, the presence of God and the anointing of God really are, are one the same thing. And uh, the manifested presence is attracted to clean vessels. The manifested presence is attracted to clean vessels. So be ye holy because he is holy. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. And I can't tell you what those factors are in your life. You can't tell me what they are in my life. People may know us a little bit better than others and have a window into our lives, but, but no man even knows the heart. We're confused about the condition of our own heart sometimes. But I mean, you know, God's not confused. So whatever it is we need to, you know, relinquish, let's do that. In whatever dimension of our lives that's in, because the wholeness of God in the person's life will actually attract that face of God, the presence of God. Number six is humility. I like the phrase radical humility, where no one cares about who gets the credit. Every time uh, you see throughout history, this, this pride rise up, the whole thing shuts down. Write this down. God is allergic to human pride. Boom. You want to see him lift? Quickly. Um, he's not going to manifest when worship is about performance arts. Not going to do it. I mean, you can have the greatest musicians, you can have the greatest tech people in the world all putting together a church beating. He won't go within 100 miles. You want to know why? Because with it is all this pride. Look at me. Look at how great I sound. Look at how great I sing. Look what I can do on those boards. Look at how I can, I can riff on this and I can play this. No, he's not impressed with that. He's not impressed with, with the show. And I said a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I believe a lot of my heart, our people step up there and they're not doing that. One of the reasons I know that you as a church are a candidate for the greatest move of God we've ever seen is because our people involved in worship are modeling this, not performing, but choosing to worship and bring you into that worship. You think, well, what's the big deal with that? Trust me. In the modern church, it's a big deal. They're all vying for attention and vying to record and vying to get their name out there and vying to get on Spotify and on Apple Music instead of doing what they should be doing. Just leading people into worship. And if that'll be your focus, I told one person who's a leader of worship at the time, I said, God wants to use you and promote you and cause you to, to write things that will be sung and played all over the world for his glory. At the same time, the Lord began to show me that the person refused to do the kind of things God needed him to do to manifest 
that kind of prophetic word. I am very, very confident in, in one thing, that the people that have step on that platform understand it's about His glory yes. and not theirs. Yes. And you would think that one of those rascals would be walking around in pride. You would think that one of those singers would have that mentality, but they don't. You should give them a hand clap. That is a rare, rare thing. What she described was going on in, in, in Asbury. We've been seeing this. Very, very unusual. If you don't believe me, I'll give you the name of some pastors. You can call them. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Say it with me. Radical humility. Number seven is obedience. I promise you, if you focus on these things that are, that are time-tested throughout the history of God moving in and through man, you'll, you'll begin to see more of the manifest presence of God in your own life. You don't have to wait till church service to have His presence. No, that's true. That's right. Have it in your car every day. Amen. Have it while you're making dinner. Amen. Yes. Have it while you're traveling on vacation. You know, have it whatever you're doing. Have it at work. Mm -hmm. You carry the presence of God at work and you will attract inquiries. People will want to know about the God that's on the inside of you. Amen. What He's doing on the inside of you. But obedience is manifested presence, you know, producing the direction and the commands for us and that we have the heart to actually do the things that we're told to do. You can count on this. The more of His face that you enjoy, the more it's going to come with commands and directives. Remember what I just said about God sniffing pride and allergic to pride? That same thing will happen if you just outright defy him and refuse to do what he tells you to do. I was listening to Keith Butler, who's one of my favorite Bible teachers in, in the whole world. He pastors in uh, Detroit and um, been faithful to stay and plugged in with everything Detroit's been through. But uh, there's a time where he was in prayer and they were asking God about what to do about the ministry and the church. They had grown. They needed to do something about the facility. And the Lord said, I want you to go down to so-and-so pastor and I want you to book an appointment with him, very successful, prominent church in Detroit. And he said, I want you to tell him that he's to go out on the outskirts where they bought land and he should build a new church on his new land that he purchased and then give that building over to you. <laughs> um, he said it took him weeks to process that. And you can understand that. But finally, he decided, I'm just going to go do what God told me to do. So he made an appointment with the guy, and, and the guy said, hey, welcome, good to see you. And he knew that Keith had been on the city council one time, so he asked him about the, the city and what was going on with that and everything. And finally, he goes, um, so what can I do for you? Why are you here? And he, uh, he, said, uh, he said, he couldn't even look at the man. He just looked down like this. And then he goes, um, can I have a glass of water? <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, finally, guys go, okay, what do you want? And he goes, um, well, the Lord told me, I was praying. And he goes, uh-huh, you were praying. <laughs> the Lord told me that you're supposed to go out on your new land and build a new building, and you're supposed to turn this building over to us. And he looked at him. <laughs> and he said, he looked down real quick again. He looked at him, and he said, yeah, I, I believe that's God. <laughs> that's exactly what we're going to do.
You see, in these times, God's moving on all these ends. And he said this. He said, they went out there and built that building, and he absolutely exploded in growth and influence in that region of the country. And he said, and we grew and took off as well. And he said these words, and I want you to remember these words. He said, if everyone in that transaction is not being blessed, it's not God. Everybody in a God transaction is going to be blessed. Amen. And that's why we want to be part of those transactions. Amen. We're blessed, aren't we, church? We've been bestowed and given the blessing. Um, there are times when God gives us that kind of a word, and he doesn't give us the explanation. He doesn't say, I've been dealing with that man for months. Go over there. And, no, we just here's what you're supposed to do. Go do it. Amen. I imagine when one of those kids went over there and commanded that devil to come out of that lady and never done such a thing in their entire life because God told them to do it, it was hard to do. But somewhere there's a woman free tonight. Free by the power of God. That whole event, I mean, everything that happened there, that drawing of the Spirit of God, worth it right there for someone to be delivered. That demon possession, amen? And uh, you could be that connecting point. Say it with me. Revival, Revival. In, me. in me. Say, I'm a carrier, I'm a carrier. of the revival of, God. revival of God. You believe that today? Yes. Amen. How many want to see God do more and more in you? How I many I want more of the face of God? Amen. Let's just pray this. Amen. Say, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I understand you have given us the keys. Your word tells us to repent of our sin to turn to you, that you would wipe out our sins and give us times of refreshing and one day come back for us. Father, give us a hunger like we've never had before for the face of God, for the manifest presence of God more than ever before. Pour out your spirit on us in Jesus' name. We choose to pray and expect, align our attitude and walk in discipline, be holy, and walk in humility, and do what you say. We fully expect to see your manifested presence, your presence, your power, and your goodness in us and through us. I say this one more time. Revival isn't a place. It's in us. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're a walking revival. Come on, say it like you believe again. You're a walking revival in Jesus' name. Amen. Can't you wait to hear the stories that people will tell? Amen. Praise God. Uh, you heard me say this a thousand times. That's hyperbole, but you know, it feels like it. This will not be a revival of the platform. Is that not what happened in Asbury? It was not a revival of the platform is a revival of and through the people. Yeah. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap tonight if you can receive that. <laughs>